Welcome. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. serious consequences in the event that we break uh, those laws and decide to ignore them. Uh, As we live our lives, we buy stuff that comes with owner's manuals and instructions and things like that that they actually expect us to follow, you know, how to put something together and uh, and how to use it. Uh, And as we face those things, as we face uh, rules or instructions and commands, a lot of times as children, maybe we decided to ignore and break the rules of our parents, and that might have got us in a little bit of trouble with our backsides warmed and uh, things like that. Uh, maybe, Maybe you got to go to a corner for quiet time. My mama had never heard of quiet time. She had heard of a switch and things like that that, uh, that, that I had uh, experienced. But uh, uh, anyway, um, someone I think maybe that didn't like the switch came up with the idea of quiet time, uh, going to the corner or whatever uh, later. Um, a lot of times uh, we might decide to ignore speed limit uh, signs. I think I saw someone uh, getting the uh, results of that this morning on my way to church. Uh, because I saw Highway Patrolman pull through the media and take off after someone. And uh, down here about McDonald's, what they got for breakfast was a ticket, I think, uh, as I was uh, coming by uh, on the way to church this morning. Uh, so, you know, if you break laws of the land, there are consequences that go with it uh, and all. Many of us probably, myself included, uh, have cast aside uh, instructions and owner manuals when you buy something. You ever done that before? You know, you just kind of think, hey, I don't need that. I'm smart enough. I know how to do it. Just cast it aside and start working on it yourself. And then somewhere along the way, maybe you stand back and you look at it and you think, I don't think that looks like the picture of the box. And and you decide you you maybe need to go and look for the instructions. Well, greatly, a lot of times we do that with our lives. We fail to pay attention to the instructions. And it can get us in a lot of trouble. What I want you to understand is that rules and instructions and commands are not always negative things. They they can be things that can be very beneficial for us. Jesus gives us commands, not in order for us to earn our salvation. Of course, that comes by grace through faith, but he still gives us commands. And we need to pay attention to those because they're actually for our good and they're for his glory and, and a lot of times for the benefit of other people around us. And that's what we're going to talk about for a few Sundays now. We're going to focus on the, on the commands of Christ. The focal scripture that we're looking at today uh, is found in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Verse 13 finishes telling the story about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. You'd have to kind of look at other New Testament gospels in order to figure this out. But between in Mark's gospel, between verse 13 and verse 14... A year passes uh, before this happens from the time of the Jesus being tempted in the wilderness until we come to, to this verse here. The Bible says this, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. 
So today we see Jesus giving us this command. He gives a command to repent and to believe. In aversion or dislike to commands or directions or rules, you might look at this message of repent and believe, and it seems like it's a very negative thing to you, especially maybe the first part of the message. That repent part is the part that we don't like a lot of times. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Jesus goes on and he says, repent and believe. And I think as we look at that total command today, we're going to realize there's some wonderful benefits for our lives. I want you to notice with me at least three important aspects of this command that Jesus gives here to repent and believe. The first aspect of this command of Jesus is the boldness of the message. The boldness of the message that Jesus gives. Now, after John was arrested, the Bible says, Jesus came in to Galilee. John the Baptist that came proclaiming Jesus, that he was on the way, the forerunner of Jesus. After he was arrested, the, the word for after means admit or accompaniment. It's talking about right in the midst of circumstances. Jesus decides right in the midst of these circumstances, right in the midst of John being arrested, he decides to launch his public ministry. He decides to come forward with this same message that John had been preaching, a message of repentance. He had just been arrested. Remember some things about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was sent as a forerunner, as I said a moment ago. He was telling about the coming of Jesus. He had said himself that there was one coming after him that John the Baptist himself was not even worthy to loose the sandals from his feet. John the Baptist was one that had been preaching repentance, a message of repentance. So much so that he'd even preached to the king of that particular time, which was King uh, Herod Antipas. There's more than one Herod in the Bible. You need to be aware of that, or you kind of get some things messed up in your, uh, in, in your Bible study. But he was telling King Antipas, you look, you're sinning. This is wrong. You need to repent for this reason. He had taken his brother's wife to himself. Herod had taken his brother's wife, which by the way, if you look at that and study that, you'll also discover this. Herod not only took his brother's wife, that girl happened to be Herod's niece also. So here you've got John the Baptist preaching, telling the king that's wrong. That's not the way you should be behaving. That's not the choices that you ought to be making. You need to repent of that. That is wrong. That's a sin for you to be involved with it. So he gets him arrested because he was telling the king about his sins, and the king didn't like someone telling him about his sins. Later on, it will get him beheaded because this pretty young thing comes out and dances the dance in front of Herod, and then she asks for the head of John the Baptist. And he goes for it and has his head taken off at a point in time later. This is the same John the Baptist that was standing there with some of his followers, his disciples, and he pointed one day when Jesus was walking by, and he said, there he is. That's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It's the same John the Baptist who publicly baptized Jesus. And heaven kind of opened up and said, this is my beloved son. What I want to point out to you is the context of when Jesus launched his ministry. I don't know about you guys, 
But just in the flesh, now I understand Jesus was God in the flesh, but in the flesh, will you think with me for a moment, entertain this thought, if you had been Jesus, how logical would it have been for you in the exact same time and moment, the circumstances of John the Baptist being arrested for preaching repentance to the king, How many of us would have come out and preached the same message of repentance or just maybe in our human flesh we'd think, you know what, I think I'm going to run the other way. Because look what it got John the Baptist. I don't think I'm going to come out right now and preach this same message of repentance. And yet that is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus came forward in order to fulfill scripture, by the way, also because There's a scripture in the Old Testament that talks about light coming to Galilee, and that's actually a reference to Jesus. But Jesus comes into Galilee fulfilling prophecy, proclaiming this message of repent and believe. What I'd like to challenge you with today is this. You and I need to be willing to have the same boldness that Jesus had. Because we're living in a culture that wants us to shut up. We're living in a culture that does not want us saying anything about their sins or about repentance. We're living in a culture to where our government even seems to be discouraging Christianity. It seems like to me because it looks like it's okay for everything else to have their way and their voice except for Christians. So it could be very easy for us as this culture is developing in our world today and I dare say it's going to get worse before it gets better. It'd be very easy for us to shrink back and say, well, I think I'll just keep my my lips sealed about my Christianity. I I don't think I'm going to be going and telling anyone that you need to repent or you need to believe because after all, it looks like it might get me in trouble with some people. If I call out certain sins, and if I say this is wrong and that is right, based upon God's will. What I am challenging you and I to remember is this. I understand that Jesus is God in the flesh. But I also understand if you are a Christian, as Christians, we're supposed to be followers of Jesus. The word Christian actually means little Christ to start with. So you and I need to behave a good bit like Jesus. And we should not shrink back from telling people the truth. No matter what our culture is saying, no matter what our government might be saying, no matter what kings or politicians might be saying, we still need to have the boldness to tell people you need to repent and you need to believe. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. And that serves as an example for us that we need to be willing to tell people repent and believe. No matter what the circumstances might seem like or how it might threaten us, we need to have a bold message just like Jesus did. Not only the boldness of the message, but I want you to notice the blessing of the message. The blessing of the message. Jesus did say, repent and believe. He came forward and he proclaimed repentance and proclaiming the gospel of God right after John the Baptist had been arrested. But it was more than just a bold message. In other words, Jesus wasn't just being negative. And you see, that's an aspect that we need to be careful of because one reason our culture has so much ammunition against the Christian church in this day and time is that all we have done is come across as negative. All we have done is come across as though we're just saying, 
repent, that's wrong. Repent, this is wrong. Repent, is that wrong? You know, that's wrong. And we never move beyond the negative to the positive. Jesus proclaimed a bold message, but he also proclaims a message that is a blessing. He came forward proclaiming the gospel of God. The, some of the words there in the Greek that she's proclaiming means to, to herald as a public crier, to proclaim divine truth, to publish, to preach. He's, he's proclaiming it out loud. He's not whispering. He's telling people where they can hear it. Jesus isn't in the closet with his faith. He's fully out of the closet with his faith. And he's proclaiming the gospel of God. And that word gospel is the same word we get our English word evangelize from. And it literally means a good message or to announce good news. It would be like in that day and time, someone that's called a public crier coming into a city and announcing something good was about to happen. And and proclaiming it with a loud voice. So Jesus comes forward proclaiming a message of good news. He proclaims this, this gospel message. And what is that? Here's the gospel message. Here's the gospel of God. That God himself became human flesh as Jesus, God's son. He comes into the world for the purpose of dying for man's sin, taking his life back up on the other side of being crucified, proving who he is and what he has secured for us, full payment for our sins, so that through faith in him, we might have everlasting life and become part of the family of God. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Jesus gives a bold message of repentance, but he also gives a message that is a blessing. He proclaims the gospel of God, and we need to do the same thing. You see, you and I have more than just a negative message to proclaim. It's not just pointing out the sins of people or the sins of the world or screaming at the darkness. We have good news to tell a lost and dying world. We have good news to proclaim to people that, hey, you can get over your past. Hey, you can be forgiven. Hey, Jesus paid for that. If you'll trust in him, all of that is gone in a race forever. And you're birthed into the very family of God. And you go to heaven for all eternity whenever you die. But right now, you can become the child of God by believing in the gospel. See, we've got a good message to proclaim. Also, a message that is a blessing for others to hear. The long-awaited message was, was this, that the Messiah had come to break the power of sin and begin God's personal reign in the earth and the lives of people who believe in his gospel. That's the good news. It had been said that Jesus was on the way, that a Messiah would come, and now he comes. And he ushers in the kingdom of God, not in the way they anticipated, chasing off the Roman Empire and establishing his throne to set on right now. He comes to establish his kingdom in our hearts, inside the lives of people. You see, that's a blessing. That's good news that we need to share with others. It was a bold message that Jesus proclaims. It was a a blessed message, the blessing of the message, that there's good news to hear. But I want you to also notice the bluntness of the message. The bluntness of the message. Verse 15, after it said that Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, it says this, he was saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe 
in the gospel. Now, I suggest to you, Jesus doesn't mince words too much, does he? That's a pretty straightforward message. Jesus said, repent and believe in a blunt fashion. Instead of shrinking back, thinking, oh, it might get me in trouble. Someone might not like me if I tell them to repent and believe. Jesus gives a straightforward message of repenting and believing. I want you to notice three things about that message. To begin with, it's a clear message, a clear message. Simple and easy to understand. Jesus, it said, comes forward saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. The word saying is an interesting word. How many of you have ever watched your kids play with Legos? How many of you have ever been guilty of playing with the Legos with your kids? Well, Legos, that toy, comes from the Greek word Lego, which literally means to lay forth. And that's what someone's doing when they're playing with Legos. They're laying the blocks forth, they're attaching them together, they're connecting them together, it's building something. So think about that as an illustration for a minute, because what Jesus is about to lay forth is a very clear message. Jesus is laying a foundation forth. He's connecting the pieces together that we need to hear. He's saying repent and believe. It's a very clear message that Jesus gives to them. He says repent and believe. It's also a timely message, a timely message. Because Jesus also said this, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. The word for time there, there's more than one Greek word for time. You see in our English language, sometimes we, we, we say love, and we, or there's one word for love basically we use, but there's more than one word in the Greek for love. There's also more than one word in the Greek for time. The Greek word that's used here is the kairos word. It's the same word that is used to give a name to the prison ministry that some of us have been involved in. Another Greek word is the chronos, which is just like a chronograph or the passing of time, like seconds and you know minutes and hours and days and things like that. That's not the word that's used. Jesus uses the kairos word here, and the kairos word means an opportune time. It's basically what it means, a proper time or a set time. So it's a timely message that Jesus proclaims, a set time. And he said that the time is fulfilled. And the word that he uses for fulfilled means to be made replete or to cram a net full of fish. In other words, there's room for a few more fish in the net or to level up a hollow spot in the road or to furnish what is needed or to satisfy or execute an office or to verify a prediction. It means to complete or fill something up. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying at the proper time, it's a time for for things to be filled up. It's time for the net to be crammed full. Jesus comes forward at a set time, at a proper time, to kind of fill in the gaps with this message that he's going to proclaim of the gospel of God. He says the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom, God's kingdom, God's rule, is a hand. Been made near. It's close by. You can even squeeze it like a throttle, is what the word means in in the Greek. So he brings a timely message. Here's the timely message The kingdom of God 
is at hand. The rule of God is at hand. And as I alluded to a moment ago, the Jews were looking for someone to come like a king, like King David. They're looking for a political leader. We're in a campaign season, and I hope some of you are not deluded enough, and this isn't me being political one way or the other. I'm not going to tell you which way you ought to vote. I will tell you, you need to look at morality, and you need to look at biblical issues. But I will tell you this, I don't care which party is elected or who's elected president next time around. If you're expecting that to fix things, you're deluding yourself because what fixes this world is not a politician. It's not a change in political office that will take place. That's what the Jews were looking for. But that's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God inside the lives of people. And it's when the kingdom of God is established inside the lives of people that lives are renovated and changed from the inside out. And that's what will change our culture when enough people are renovated by having Jesus inside of them. That's what will change things. So it's an opportune time though. Jesus comes proclaiming this message. He comes saying the kingdom of God is near. It's at hand. It's going to be in the lives and hearts of people. Basically, Jesus comes to do this. And it's almost play on words, the phrase that I'm about to bring up for you. But Jesus comes to bring the kingdom of God inside believers and to bring believers inside the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus comes to do. To bring God inside of us by faith in him. His accomplished work on the cross. And also by doing so, he brings us inside the kingdom of God. It's a very timely message. God's set time, a proper time, an opportune time. Can I ask you a question since I'm talking about a timely message before we move on? Can I ask you if you know for sure God's kingdom is in your life? Can I ask you if you know for sure that Jesus Christ is in your heart, that you've trusted him, that you've given your life to him? If not, it's a very opportune time this morning for you to hear this. Here's an opportune time for you. Your only hope is believing in Jesus. Your only chance of forgiveness, your only hope for eternity, to have eternal life, to be forgiven, your only hope is Jesus. All right, here's your opportune time. If you don't know Jesus right now, listen to this. Here's an opportune message. You better believe in Jesus Christ. But it's also not just an opportune time maybe for you. It might be an opportune time for others. Because you and I, as Jesus did in this story, in this passage of Scripture, we need to let people know that the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Whatever your theology is, an end-time theology, I can guarantee you this. It's closer to being the end now than it's ever been. No your pre-trip, post-trip, whatever you might be, I can tell you this, right now, it's closer to everything being wrapped up than it has ever been in history because it's one second, one minute closer. The same thing I said at the end of the message will be true. Guess what? It'll be a few minutes closer to everything being wrapped up and coming to an end. So I'm telling you, it's a timely message. It's an opportune message that the kingdom of God is at hand and as followers of Christ we need to be ready and seek for opportune times to share the gospel with others but when we do so we need to be sure it's not just a clear message and a timely message we need to be sure it's the correct message the correct message is this repent and believe in the gospel 
Notice that Jesus did not say repent or believe, as though either one's an option. Jesus said repent and believe, because those are two necessary elements in salvation. The correct message is a message of repentance to begin with, and that word for repentance is a Greek word that we get our word metamorphosis from in the English. The, the message of repentance, the, the word means literally to think differently afterwards, to reconsider. The, the root words that is built on the Greek in, include thinking of something or having a thought in the midst of or accompaniment and exercising the mind, considering, comprehending what you're thinking about. And then as a result of having a change of mind, you have a change of direction in your life. That's what biblical repentance is. Biblical repentance is not just feeling sorry for your sins. That's what a lot of people think repentance is. Oh, well, I got caught, so I need to be sorry for my sins because I got caught. That's not biblical repentance. Biblical repentance is simply you agreeing with God that you're messed up. That you, in fact, are a sinner. You quit pretending, you quit arguing with God. You agree with God that he is right, that you're a sinner. And as a result of you agreeing with God that he is right, here's what you do. You quit walking away from God and you turn and you walk toward God. That's a picture of what biblical repentance is. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of direction in your life. Repentance by itself is not enough. Repentance by itself just kind of leaves you beaten up. Repentance by itself, if you think of repentance as just being sorry for what you've done, then repentance by itself only leaves you broken down and beaten up and discouraged and depressed because it doesn't give you any, any hope whatsoever. Repentance is not beating you down and leaving you there. Repentance is, yes, you having a wake-up call, and you may be being beaten down by your sins, and you understand where you are as a result of your sin. But true repentance is, once you have this awareness of what you've done and who you are, you also have an awareness of the need that you have to go to God. That's a picture of what real repentance is. You're agreeing that God is right and that you're wrong, and you turn to him for his solution. There was an old tower in Scotland. I'm not sure if it's still in existence or not, but this old tower in Scotland uh, was called the Tower of Repentance. read a story that one day there, there's this young boy, this young lad who was laying out kind of in a field near this Tower of Repentance, and he was reading a book. And this cynical old man in the, in the village uh, came by and, and looked at him and, and kind of sneered at him. And, and he said, well, what kind of book are you reading? And the, and, and the young man said, the, the young boy that was laying there in the field, uh, told him he was reading the New Testament. And the old man sneered at him again and said, well, perhaps you can tell me the way to heaven. And the young boy said, well, oh, yes, I, I can. You have to go through that tower. The Tower of Repentance. Now, the young boy was making a point. He wasn't literally saying, go in that tower, and if you walk in that tower, you'll go to heaven. He was saying this, the way to heaven involves repentance. How can can a man turn toward God until he recognizes that he's running the wrong way, that he's going away from God? That's what repentance is. Repentance is you understanding 
that you need to quit running from the kingdom of God, and it ought to be obvious that you turn around and run toward the kingdom of God if you want to reach it. That's a picture of repentance. But repentance alone is not enough to save you. That's why I'm saying we need to be sure we give the correct message to people. The message is repent and believe. So it's not just a message of repentance. Jesus also gives a message of faith because he said, repent and believe in the gospel. I'm, I'm really, really glad that God saw fit to use the Greek language because it's so descriptive to, to write most of the New Testament. Because we read little words like and, and we just kind of pop over it like not even thinking what it might mean. The little word that's translated and here from the Greek language means that it has a cognitive and a, and a cumulative uh, effect to it. So it's repent and, you, and, and, you need it, it needs to be built in together. That's what it's saying, connected together. Repent and believe. To have faith in, respect to a person or thing, especially giving credence to the truth of the gospel message is what the word believe means here. Repent and believe in. The word in in the Greek means in a fixed position. Our little word in in the English, you'd buzz right by it, not even think anything about it. What Jesus says here is this. You need to repent and you need to believe in a permanent belief, a permanent faith, the gospel. You decide once and for all that you're going to believe in the good news. That word that I told you about was gospel earlier. What is it? Let me remind you again what it is. The gospel is God became human flesh as Jesus, as God's son. He came into this world for the purpose of dying for man's sin. He took his life back up to prove who he was and what he had accomplished for us. And it's through faith in him that our salvation is secured. Full payment of our sin. Through faith in Jesus, we can be forgiven and have eternal life. That's the good news. And it is good news, isn't it? Would you prefer, well, you have to build your own stairway to heaven? Would you prefer you have to obey all the Ten Commandments? Would you prefer you have to be good enough? You have to be pretty enough? You have to be rich enough? What would you prefer? I prefer the good news. I prefer the gospel. Amen? The gospel of God is good news. It's God's solution for our sins. We have to admit our sin and turn toward God. That's the repentance part of it. But then we also have to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus took our place and paid for our sins so we no longer need to be bound up in the guilt and the debt of our sin because through Jesus and what Jesus finished, he said himself, it is finished. We need to turn loose of our guilt. And understand, we've been set free in Jesus. It is finished means exactly that. It is finished. Jesus' words here are good news because they offer forgiveness, freedom, justice, and hope. Charles Haley Spurgeon told this story once about this old man that was in his sickbed dying. And he told it in order to emphasize how we need to be brought low in repentance and lifted high in faith. This old Christian on his deathbed made this remark. He said, Lord, sink me low as hell in repentance, but lift me high as heaven in faith. Think about that for a moment. We need both of those things. 
We, we need him to sink us as low as hail and repentance. Where we understand our need, we understand we're hopeless, we understand we must turn from our sin and turn to him in faith. That, that's the beauty of it. Repentance that seeks a man low as hell is of no use unless there's a faith that lifts him as high as heaven. And those two things are completely consistent with each other. That's why Jesus gives the message of repent and believe. And then C.H. said this. He said it's the stripping of repentance and the clothing of faith that we need. We need repentance to strip us of our pride, to strip us of things we think we're holding on to that make us good enough to go to heaven. We need a repentance to strip us down to where we understand clearly that we're spiritually naked and bankrupt before God. And then through faith in Jesus, we're clothed. Through faith in Jesus, we have hope of eternal life. The message that Jesus gives, repent and believe, is a necessary, needed message. Repentance alone is not enough to save us. Repentance only gets you part of the way there. We have to believe in Jesus Christ and what he did for us and trust in the good news. Repentance without faith is only remorse, and remorse can destroy people who carry this constant burden of guilt on their lives. But Jesus did not come to put more guilt upon our lives. Jesus came so we might repent and believe, and that can turn our remorse into rejoicing when we trust in him. Did you ever notice this in the, in the New Testament? Jesus expected people to make up their mind one way or the other when they were confronted with him. Those who approached him either had to believe or reject him. He never left room for a middle ground of indecision. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, there's no room for you to stay somewhere in between. Jesus wants you to understand who you are and what you've done and repent. And Jesus wants you to understand who he is and what he's done and believe. And there's no other way, there's no other message, there's no other chance or hope for you. Repent and believe. It's a bold message, but it's also a message that's a blessing. And it's also a blunt message that we need to be willing to tell others that they need to repent and believe. We don't need to shrink back from doing so because of the culture that we're living in. Later on in Mark chapter 6, we're told this. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. That's talking about the disciples of Jesus. The disciples of Jesus had heard John the Baptist proclaim repentance. They heard Jesus proclaim repentance. And now his own disciples, his followers, goes out and they proclaim to others that they should repent. Guys, that's still the message that we have. We still need to give people a message of repentance. To where people have to come to an awareness of their sin and their need for God, and they turn to Him. Someone described repentance as I was studying this week. I didn't put the quote up, and I hadn't planned on using it, but it comes to mind right now. But they said the way some people repent is like this it's like a sailor throwing things overboard, and then after they throw things overboard, all of a sudden the sailor decides they want them, and they jump overboard and go get them and bring them back to the ship. He 
if we understand something is against God's will, we need to be willing to repent of it and turn from it and turn to God. The message that we have, it's a bold message, but it's a message that's a blessing for others, good news for other people. But we still need to be sure that we're clear, timely, and correct and give them a blunt message. The kingdom of God is at hand, is what Jesus said. You know when the kingdom of God began? Some of you may think, well, the kingdom of God's not quite here yet. It won't come back until Jesus comes and sets up his throne on the earth and, and, and then everything is completely changed as a new heaven and a new earth. Then there'll be the kingdom of God. Well, I, I beg to differ because here's when the kingdom of God began. The kingdom of God in this world began when Jesus became flesh and came into this world. That's the kingdom of God in this world. And the kingdom of God is growing and is at hand as people repent and believe that he did everything necessary for their salvation and they trust in him. Jesus himself said this, the kingdom of God is within you in Luke chapter 17 in verse number 21. That's where the kingdom of God is. Yes, it will ultimately be fulfilled in a grand way. Yes, I understand the Bible says there will be gates of pearl and streets of gold, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. I understand there will be an eternal reign one day, but also understand this. The kingdom of God, if you know Christ as your Savior, right now, this moment is inside your life. Our challenge is to let him rule here, right now. Let him rule within us right now. Verse 15 that we've been looking at this morning, the first part of it gives details about what God has done for us. It says the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. God has brought the kingdom of God to us. That's what God has done. The second part of verse 15 tells us what we have to do to participate in the kingdom of God. And what you and I have to do to participate in the kingdom of God is this. You need to repent and you need to believe. That's it. Repent and believe. To participate in God's kingdom. My question is, have you done that? Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the clarity of the message that you've given us through your Son. That Jesus came and took our sins upon himself. That he paid the full price for our sins. So that through faith in him, we can have everlasting life. I thank you for the clear message of repent and believe. Because in order to be part of your kingdom... We have to have an awareness of who we are. We have to admit who we are before you. To see ourselves in the context of your holiness and confess and repent and agree with you that we're sinners. And be willing to have a change of mind to where we admit that you're right and we're wrong and we turn to you. And then by faith we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and there's good news available for us because he paid the full price and penalty for our sins. We thank you for the message of repent and believe. Father, I pray this morning that each person here has already 
responded to that message. I pray that they have had an awareness of their sinfulness and they've repented and they've turned to you. But Father, I pray that they've gone beyond that and they've also trusted in Jesus and they know their sins are paid for, their guilt is gone. They've been set free by your gospel, by your good news. Father, if there's someone here that's maybe fallen short of that, maybe they've only been sorrowful for their sins and all they've done is repent, but they've never really believed. Or maybe they've tried to short-circuit the message of the gospel but just having some mental condensation of, or, or agreement of, of the gospel. Believing that Jesus came and he died, but they've never seen themselves in need. They've never seen themselves before you as sinners. Father, help them to get the full message, the clear message. They need to repent and they need to believe. And Father, I pray that you empower us as your followers to give this world that we live in, this culture, a bold message, a message that's a blessing, but a blunt message to let people know they must repent and they must believe. No matter what government might say, no matter what circumstances might dictate to our culture, help us to follow Jesus and give the message of repent and believe. For it's in his name we ask him. Amen. So I prayed a moment ago, maybe you've only done part of the message. Maybe you've been hung up in the repentance part and all you've done is feel sorrowful for your sin and you've been asking God, God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. But you've never found the solution to your guilt. And the solution to your guilt is this. It's believing in Jesus. It's understanding that Jesus became flesh. He paid the full penalty for your sin. And when you believe in Him, you trust in Him. You've got the full picture. Yes, you've repented, but yes, you've believed. And by believing, the guilt is gone because Jesus paid it all for you on the cross. So if you've been hung up short of the full message, why not today walk away from here free by understanding He has set you free? And if you're someone that just kind of jumped through a fast hoop because your kid, your, maybe your parents told you about Jesus all the time you're growing up and you've never even saw yourself as a sinner. There are people out there like that, guys. You might think that's strange. You might think, well, no, everyone understands that they're messed up. Hey, I had someone one time who had gone through Bible college to tell me one time that his own children were perfect. None of us are perfect. Only Jesus was perfect. That's why he paid the price for us. So you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. That's why we have to repent. We have to agree with God and say, God, I'm messed up. I need you. If you've never done that, why not today? And also today, think about this during this time of decision, this time of invitation. We have a message to proclaim no matter what the circumstances are. No matter who gets arrested, no matter what our government says is right and wrong, we have a message to be consistent in if we're going to honor our Savior and tell the lost world the truth no matter what happens. And I hope you'll decide today also, no matter what you hear on TV, no matter what you no, our government might be supporting or not supporting. It doesn't matter. What matters is this, what God says. 
That's what matters, what God says. And we need to tell people what God says. Please stand. The Lord speaks to your heart. We invite you to respond to this invitation. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.